We are elated to welcome you to Inspiring Voices from the Classroom. Inspiring Voices is a one-of-a-kind show designed to recognize and highlight current mathematics classroom teachers and provide a positive platform that allows their authentic voices to be heard. Carrie Denote is a 22-year veteran of the teaching profession. For the past 10 years, she has been a school-based coach, a math interventionist, and a district math coach. During that time, she attended Mount Holyoke to earn a master's degree in teaching mathematics. Mrs. Denote is the current president of the Florida Council of Teachers of Mathematics, as well as a member of several other professional mathematics organizations. She loves working with kids and adults to foster a love of math, something she did not have as a child. Welcome to Inspiring Voices from the Classroom. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher J. Childs. Inspiring Voices from the Classroom is designed to highlight amazing mathematics educators. I have a special guest on this episode, the one, the only, Carrie Denote. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you. We're in Florida, so how are things going in the educational space in Florida nowadays? <laughs> um, it's, it is touch and go. I think there's, there's a lot of tension. Um, there's a lot of uh, worry, a lot of we don't know how to handle this. So I'm going to switch it up. I think Florida is a challenge, but I also see a lot of promise in Florida, especially in the mathematics classrooms in Florida. What are some amazing things that you're seeing happening in the mathematics classroom in spite of all that's happening? So I think some of the amazing things I'm seeing are tied to uh, FCTM's annual conferences. I've seen a lot of people go to those and then bring those ideas back. Um, and it's teachers sharing with teachers, so they are coming back and then implementing those ideas in the classroom. Um, there's a, a lot with, a lot of the shift that I'm seeing is going from worksheet-based to more problem-based and more conversation-based. And we're not there all the way yet, but I see a big shift, especially in my county. Um, and I'm really happy about that because that, that means that more kids are doing the work and doing the talking and the sense-making, and, and um, that's a good thing. And you mentioned FCTM. I know what that means. Some of our viewers may not know what that means and your relationship with that organization. Could you tell us a little bit more about that piece? Sure. So I am the, the FCTM's the Florida Council for Teachers of Mathematics, and I'm the current president for just a few short months uh, more. And we have an annual conference every year. So uh, teachers can submit proposals for that and they can come and share their ideas and what's working for them in their classrooms. And are you, and you mentioned folks are coming to this conference and then utilizing what they're learning at this conference as a catalyst for change in their respective classrooms around the state. Correct, yeah. And, and with this, what would you encourage? A lot of people watching this may or may not be involved with their state level mathematics organization. What would you do, what would you tell to mathematics teachers across the country as it relates to getting involved? I, I would say that that was a game changer for me in my career, is being involved with other people who wanted to do better in the math classroom, who, you know, historically math is, does not have the same amount of support financially or otherwise that reading has. So that was an avenue for me to network and meet with people um, to just be a better practitioner for math in the classroom. And I ended up being departmentalized, so I was just teaching math for a while, and that you know, FCTM provided me with pathways for learning and just being a better 
uh, classroom teacher. I'm going to challenge everyone out there to get involved with your professional organization in your field. Whether it's at the national level or the state level, it can be a game changer not only for your educational environment, but most importantly for the children within your educational environment. And for you, because you're going to get the opportunity to network with others and meet cool people like Carrie at these conferences. Now, you said something else earlier that I found very interesting. How classrooms are moving from worksheet-based, static and stale. I don't know where you grew up at. That was my mathematics experience. Yep. Now to more engaging. What are some tips and strategies do you recommend for someone who may be hesitant to move away from their old school worksheet they've been using for the past 20 or 30 years? I would say just dive in and try it. Like give the kids a problem and then be quiet and see what they do with it. Because I've had so many people tell me, you know, I tried what you said and they were so surprised at what the kids knew and what the kids brought to the table, what the kids could already do. And I think that we are coming from a space where we just assume that they don't know things. So we're gonna tell them what they need to know. And we forget that kids are already bringing a background with them to the table and that they they can use that so I my advice would be just to try it find a good problem there are a lot of good resources out there and um, just jump in and get started with it so wait you're saying children don't come in as blank slates they actually have knowledge and abilities they bring into the classroom environment hundred uh, percent yes <laughs> how the young folks say say a louder for the people in the back yeah. Children <laughs> bring into the classroom experiences and knowledge, build upon it. We do not need to start at day zero. Build upon what they bring into the environment. Thinking, of, thinking about this environment, and you've had the opportunity to serve in several roles as a math educator, but in all of those roles, you've always had a favorite mathematics topic or content piece. What has been your favorite topic to teach? Oh, wow, okay. Probably, oh, and this is going to sound really boring, but probably place value. <laughs> I love place value. <laughs> place value was so dry when I was a kid because it was worksheet based and you're, you know, we were memorizing the procedures and steps, which I was horrible at. I was not a memorizer. And, um, but getting the tools out, the, you know, manipulatives and, and looking for the patterns in our place value system, I know that's going to sound crazy, crazy to some people, but it was really fascinating to watch kids have these moments where they're like, what, what is happening? That is so cool. Um, and so place value and number sense just in general has been probably my favorite thing to dive into. And what I love about place, let's stick on this place value piece is, I don't know about you, I was taught to carry and borrow. I don't know where I was carrying it to when I'm adding. I don't know where I was borrowing it right, from. Right. Because you borrow, you never gave it back. But you mentioned manipulatives, especially base 10 blocks. It allows children to see regrouping. Right. It allows children to discuss making a trade. And again, it allows them most importantly to see how mathematics really does make sense. Right. Beyond just, I can get an answer. And nowadays, I tell folks all the time, if Siri can answer the task, why are they doing it anyway? Right. And for some of you out there, Siri is on the iPhone <laughs> and Siri can solve math tasks. You Android users, you may not get that joke, but hey, get an iPhone. I'm pro iPhone over here. You use Alexa and try it. But again, the key is, is thinking about the technology that we have now, thinking about AI that's out. 
if we're using manipulatives, you can't, Siri can't solve manipulatives. Right. <laughs> so we need to give children the opportunity to re work on that concrete representation, bef concrete before we get to um, representation, then we get to the abstract thinking part of it. Mm -hmm. If you had a magic wand, what was one thing you would want every single teacher to be doing in the, in the mathematics environment? I, I would want them, the biggest change for me was when I read five practices for orchestrating productive math discussions. By Smith and Stein. Yes, by Smith and Stein. And I had to say the whole thing so that you'd know when I say five practices <laughs> now. Um, but that was a, a big shift in my thinking from going from a stand and lecture teacher to um, Ha inviting kids into the conversation and, and watching what they can do. And the biggest part of that was posing a problem, but then being a good listener. And, and I think that as teachers, we haven't been trained to be good listeners. We've been trained to talk. So I would say that what I'd like to see everybody doing is listen to your students, listen to what they're saying. So you're saying students like to talk. Right. <laughs> we laugh, but think about I all mean, the doesn't? opportunities children love to talk coming to school, in the courtyard, on the bus, especially in the cafeteria. If you've ever worked lunch duty, you know they love to talk in there. Yeah. Then they come to classrooms. We got to change that. And I love the five practices because it gives us an opportunity to facilitate a discussion and to showcase that every child in the room, whatever they bring, it has value in the discussion that we're having about mathematics. I want to transition a little bit because we've been talking so much about discourse and the focus of discourse is, is students. Tell me a, a student story that you have for our, that our viewers can connect to because I, I want to make it even more real for them. So I have a story that I tell when I work with teachers the, for five using five practices for the first time and um, I had a student in a third grade room and his name was Elijah, and he had historically had issues in the classroom. I, I came in and took over the class uh, when the teacher left in December, and I was there for about two months until they looked for another teacher, but he, um, I couldn't find any evidence of work from him. Like, all the other kids had journals that were full, um, and he didn't have anything in his. Um, he was often around the room, um, disrupting other students. Um, he really, he struggled. So I had just read the five practices and I thought, I'm gonna try this in this classroom. And I gave the students a problem and he filled up a whole page, um, a whole page. And it was really inefficient thinking for third grade. Like I wanted them to do multiplication, but he had done um, a, a picture and actually brought student work with me just in case. But. Um, he had drawn the table that was in the problem. He had drawn a one-to-one -one correspondence. He had drawn, like it was all there and it was right. It was just not as advanced as we wanted it to be. But I got to showcase his work. I, he was the first person I put on the board and he was so proud of himself. I mean, I got product from him. I got participation from him. He got to go in the front of the class and talk about it. And I never had another um, issue with behavior the rest of the time that I was in there. Um, and so I just felt like that, that for me, that was my buy-in right there to using that. And I love how you allowed that child the opportunity to showcase their genius level potential. I know you brought some student work onto the show for us. Show us some of the student work and what is happening and, and describe what is happening for our viewers out there. All right, so this is the student work 
from Elijah and what he did, the original problem was asking them to um, calculate the perimeter of a table. And so it was basically eight times four. And what he did was, so he had all this, he did the picture, he marked all the sides, he even wrote a sentence about it, but down here you could see he, you know, he was doing one-to-one. -one. He did groups of four for every side of the table. And then um, what I love about the five practices was I had the opportunity to come around and ask it a question to help him move his thinking forward. So I just asked him if he could, based on his picture, can you give me a number sentence? And so then at the bottom, he did the four plus four plus four and so on and wrote the, his final answer. So, you know, a lot of other kids in the class were doing things like, um, like this. So I'll show another sample um, where they were maybe taking doubles, they were taking groups of fours, and then they were adding um, some kids did multiplication. Um, but then we got up to the board and that is all the board work. So I collected um, items that I wanted to have the whole class see. And Elijah got to go up first and we go from least efficient to most efficient. You don't tell kids that. but. You know, he got to s show his work and then we got to make connections between the other work. So, I'm, um, you know, it was really powerful for him to get up in front of the other students and be able to, he had never had an opportunity to do that. Um, so, yeah. It's amazing how those five practices can transform not only a classroom environment, but most importantly can transform a child and their experience. Because again, as we spoke about earlier on this episode, a child got to see, be seen and feel valued. And they were actually right <laughs> with the yeah. mathematics that they were doing. But oftentimes we limit that experience when we're so focused on the correct answer. We focus on did they do some a set amount of steps or certain steps, or we're just so focused on the most efficient strategy as opposed to believing that child has genius level potential and allowing them to bring that into the classroom environment. And thinking about this genius level potential and allowing them to bring it into the environment, you seem to be on a mission. What is your mission to engage children in mathematics? Hmm. Um, personally, my, my mission is to find the kids that are underestimated. Uh, I was underestimated, so I feel like that's just a personal goal. I don't want to have other people overlooked because they don't have overt characteristics of being a math person. Um, and so I want that, like you were saying, genius level potential. I want them to realize that they have that too. So that's, yeah, that's a big goal. <laughs> Carrie, you've been amazing on this episode, giving us some practical things that you're doing in your environment. What is one thing you want every educator to do out there? Okay, I would like everybody to read Catalyzing Change in the elementary, uh, the elementary version, especially chapters three and four because chapter three is basically what we need to stop doing. Um, and chapter four is basically what we need to start doing. <laughs> and and I, I would like to see us slow down and take our time with early childhood math and stop trying to rush everybody through it. Um, so chapters three and four, I think are a big part of that. Carrie, thank you for being a guest on Inspiring Voices from the Classroom. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing that student work because a lot of times we think math should look one way and showcasing one task there are a multitude of ways that children can solve it and our job is to harness that energy so thank you for being again on the show and for what you do 
To my audience out there, you just heard an amazing guest, Carrie, and all the things that she's doing. What I want you to do is to take away from this episode is the value of every child bringing in genius level potential, every child bringing in a different problem solving strategy and understanding it's okay. Too often we try to put mathematics in the box. We try to say mathematics has to be done this way as opposed to thinking everyone brings into the classroom something, let me build upon it and we're gonna guide them to where they need to go. You all as educators in this space have the ability to do this. I believe in you. I need you to look in the mirror and believe in yourself, but most importantly, I need you to believe in those children coming into your environment that they can do the mathematics that we put in, in front of them. And they can. If they can figure out social media, they can figure out TikTok, they can figure out Snapchat, they can figure out an iPad, they can figure out all of these things without directions by, you know that, right? None of us have, I've never seen a manual of how to use an iPad. I've never seen a manual on how to use TikTok. I've never seen a manual on how to use Snapchat, but I figured it out. Just as our children learn to figure these things out, they can figure out mathematics, but the key is one, do we believe in them? Two, are we providing them rich problem-solving opportunities to showcase this genius-level potential? This has been your host, Dr. Christopher J. Childs for Inspiring Voices from the Classroom. Do you want to be a guest on the show? Fill out the online submission form at www.christopherchilds.com shows.